0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Good evening. Welcome to today's entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar and with me, as always, FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening on the program, we're going to be profiling Zvi Shapiro of New Look Office Solutions. So that's on the way. Uh, they do office solutions, so just that. They do. Them. It's, it's office yeah. furniture, but it's, it's not just new stuff. It's, it's, uh,
2: kind of also used or pre-owned or pre-loved or whatever you want to call it. Uh, as they try and be green and keep recycling.
1: And later in the program, Patrick Sullivan, trustee at FL, will uh, discuss with us about uh, what are an entrepreneur's options when they see failure coming? You know, when you see uh, that you're on the brink, what do you do from there? And so we'll talk to Patrick Sullivan about that. But as usual, uh, news and notes of the week. And one article that I, uh, I really liked that I wanted to unpack a little bit with you, Josh. And I'm not sure we've talked about this before. Um, is, uh, is, is performance, uh, when it comes to the employer. So we talk about, you know, how to measure performance with employees, uh, surveys, uh, performance measurement and goals and all of that. But how can you tell if your boss, if, uh, if, if, the entrepreneur himself or herself is doing a better job well, the reality is you know people
2: mostly leave their positions because they're not in tune or they don't like their boss, yes, they don't like the environment and we'll we'll come to that a little bit uh, later in this segment, but there is definitely a question do you know do they like their boss or not? Uh, the reality is the predominance of people are really not always so motivated or inspired in their jobs and it's their bosses that can really have a big impact on that. What is your main, you know, as as a as an owner, as an entrepreneur, as a manager, what should you be doing? What is your your main drive? How do you keep your people? How do you keep your talent? How do you keep that business going? So, you know, th- this was an article that I saw on com, and uh, and it lists a few things and you know, you you think they're basic, but and a lot of stuff that we talk about on the show dan is basic, but sometimes you just need to hear it again. Sometimes you need that refresher. So you know one one of the things that they start with is you know play to your employees' strengths, find their strengths and and let them run with it. Hopefully, their strengths is also what your business strengths are. But if you have somebody that's that's uh not an outgoing person and doesn't necessarily have the gift of gab and can't necessarily chat it up or doesn't have as much charisma, well, don't put them in a sales role where you know they're they're just gonna they're just gonna you know shrivel up and die, and they're just not gonna love to do. Um. The but if they're if they're really talented, it's analytics, it's behind the scenes or whatever. Put them in there and let them thrive. You know how many companies don't really measure what they what they what they manage. You know don't, or don't really manage what they measure. Don't measure some of the analytics. Anyhow, so so that's one of it. Uh, Grant, you know, give employee. You know, no question. Certainly, with today's generations, they want input. They want to know what's going on. They want some autonomy. They want some input in the business. So, will they always have great ideas and know how to run a business at a young age or not so much experience? Maybe not, but you don't know, maybe some aspects and some brainstorming and if they're involved and they're really passionate about the business, they might actually have a phenomenal idea or two. So it's it's things like that 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 really could bring out and bring out the employee's best and help them want to stay. There's, you know, the, the I guess one other thing that the that the uh, the article talks about, is really for your managers. Teach them how to teach them how to deal with the relationships. Teach them how to nurture their their people. Uh, I know it's their soft skills, and and not everybody loves it. It's a little fluffy, but the reality is, you got to be in tune with some of your some of the people. You know, some people look at your employees as the biggest expense. Other entrepreneurs treat them as the their largest asset. So you got to figure out which ones which one you which category you qualify under, and uh, and run from there
1: so do surveys show that the employer a bad boss is the reason why most people quit their
2: jobs most people it 's because they don 't relate to the person that they report to hmm. yes there 's also the environment that comes into play, but usually it 's it's, it's the manager if you can 't manage if you can 't rally if you can 't inspire your troops, then what are the chances that somebody 's going to stay and as we 've heard you know numerous entrepreneurs talk on this program, Dan. The, the the different generations, the newer generations, they need to be engaged, they need to feel part of it, uh, they they need to not feel like a number. Uh, by the way, we're a little bit the same way, you know, I don't want to feel like a number either. I want to be engaged too, so I don't want to limit it to just those generations, but it's certainly more more in demand
1: and more demanding today. And if you're looking for a solution to this issue uh, for bad bosses, one could be working remotely. And this piece from Fast Company is interesting: how the era of the remote worker complicates management. Um, what do you think are some of the challenges, Josh? I mean, just knowing uh, from my experience uh, working with a lot of creatives remotely, it's hard to um, to convey creative ideas, especially you know visual ideas, design wise. It's hard to to sort of get hands-on uh, when, when you're with someone offline and just explaining things via email?
2: There's, there's definitely a collaborative component that gets challenged when not everybody's in the same room, but it doesn't mean, I mean, with technology today, you know, regardless whether you're using Skype video or Zoom or whatever it is, you can create meetings. You can create interactive meetings online. If you have people in their homes or in their home offices or on the road, you can create, and there's, you know, the video, the visuals, the sharing of screens. It's all possible. I, I must have several of them, you know, every month I or maybe not quite once a week, but almost once a week. I must have at least one meeting that's online. You share your screen with whether it's your your customer or supplier, mm-hmm. uh, whoever it might be, and that's what it goes. But the biggest challenge is when we come back to managers and how, you know, how they work with their team. Do the managers trust their team? Because one of the impediments of allowing employees to work remotely is management or entrepreneurs say, well, how do I know that they're working? How do I know that they're really producing? Maybe they're off doing something else. Well, for me, I challenge them to say, how do you know they're sitting at their desk and working? How do you know they're, they're really being productive? How do you know that it looks like they're staying late, but for all you know, they could be surfing or on the phone or it's, it's not so clear cut when you're when you're doing that. So th- there's a few things that if you really want to treat the remote uh, aspect, uh, you know, properly as an employer, as as an entrepreneur, y- you really got to try and get as much buy-in from leadership as possible. If you have only, you know, a, a small percentage of buy-in from leadership, well then it's never going to fly cuz you're always going to have the naysayers and you're always going to really not be sure. Be aware of people's time. Be aware that, you know, that they are working remotely, and sometimes not everything's available. Not every time slot is available. So, if you need to book a meeting, book a meeting. We understand it's less; it's not as fun as the walking up to your colleague in the office. You know they're not on the phone; they're just working. You can interrupt them, uh, and and then find that collaboration there. But working remotely, you can always find time. You can always instant message. There's there's really no no harm in that. So scheduled meetings, uh, that that I think, especially from a Morale standpoint, because you, you, you know, you can maintain morale with a video. You can maintain morale by regular meetings, by sharing online, by having the group chats. I will say one thing that I, I don't personally love uh, about the remote uh, working, and that if it happens too often, then it's hard to teach your leaders how to lead. It's harder, should I say? It's not impossible, but it's harder. It's easier to teach leaders how to lead, managers how to manage when there is people there to manage physically. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Obviously you have to learn, but it's a, it's a little harder that way. So there's a new environment out there and, and the, the talent that people, that people are searching for, they love this new, they like the new environment. They want to be part of it. And, and, Entrepreneurs just have to learn to change. That's that's what it is.
1: One thing I noticed that I'd suggest is deadlines. So there's a, There could be a perception among some workers that if you're loose on coming to the office, maybe you're loose on the deadlines too, but you want to keep those deadlines rigid to make sure that uh, you know, regardless of where anyone is. I mean, I have one employee who's in Dominican Republic, I think, right now working. Um, Another is going to be working from Spain for the next month. doesn't matter to me as long as you meet the deadlines. Absolutely. And you know, the, the, this article also talked about distance bias.
2: You know, and where you know you don't want to necessarily favor somebody that's in the office just because somebody is working remotely. You want to you want to really work with the the right person. Anyhow, these new environments, the culture, the workplace is uh, is a huge topic. I know uh, we spoke about on last week on the program, Dan. We're even involved in in a workshop on February twenty first called Tomorrow's Workplace Today, and and that you know it's going to be held at JMSB. Uh, school, so John Molson School of Business. Uh, if you want to check it out, tomorrow's workplace dot ca, and uh, and it's really for next generation workplaces. It's really for leaders that want to, you know, hopefully this doing this will help attract and retain talent as well.
1: All right, up next, our profile for this week, Zvi Shapiro of Newlook Office Solutions, and later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, what happens when an entrepreneur knows he or she is heading towards failure. What do you do to plan that with Patrick Sullivan later in the program? But. F-
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau. Chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and F.L. Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And let's introduce our guest for this week. Zvi Shapiro is of New Look Office Solutions. Welcome to CJD Zvi.
3: Well, welcome. Thank you for having me, bud.
1: Thanks for joining us, uh, and Josh, we have a twenty-five-year veteran. Uh, good to have someone who's been in the trenches, and uh, and the first question, uh, as usual, all, is always
2: easiest. Is easiest. Uh, and you know, and so people don't confuse New Look because that, that's something that definitely I'm sure will will come into play as as we talk about your business. Is what is New Look Office Solutions?
3: Uh, New Look Office Solutions is a, a contract office furniture dealer. Uh, what that means is that we work with uh, architects project managers, facility managers, and uh, to complete projects, office uh, furniture projects.
2: Mostly for offices or for homes, for um, all different all different size projects?
3: All different size projects. For a home office, we would do what would be more of a high-performance home office. Somebody coming out of the corporate world wanted to go in to... Uh, transfer a bedroom possibly over to an office or we've done basements as well but it's going to be more of an upgrade it's not going to be your ikea type of setup somebody's looking for good performance and an image uh for corporate we work with all different companies and a lot with universities and uh private uh private high schools elementary schools we've been building up a very big portfolio for that
2: now how long has new look been around when did you start
3: I started the business in uh, 2000 from a bedroom in my house.
2: What were you because you know Dan referred to the fact that you've been in this business for 25 years? So you were in this in this field even before you started New Look. Yes, why, I d- why this? Why the switch? What was that moment where you said, "I got to go out on my own"?
3: Well, uh, interesting, good question. The uh, I only ask working... good questions. Only good worry. questions. I I was I was working for a contract office furniture dealership for uh, for seven years. I grew up in home furniture. My dad was, uh, was a furniture uh, designer. I was around fabrics and stuff, and I just uh, enjoyed it. I just enjoyed that world. Um, but I always wanted to have a piece of the pie. It was always like, you know, I always had that, that drive to own something. And uh, that caused me eventually to, I tried acquiring uh, equity in that business that I was working for. It uh, didn't work. And uh, I decided to uh, take a shot and uh, go out on my own.
1: I was telling Josh last week that I really love shopping for office furniture because we spend so much of our lives there, especially for desks and chairs, and we don't realize how important comfort is. Is that something that's sort of new, like the ergonomic wave that we're trying to focus more on comfort in the office?
3: It's finally starting to happen within the last, I'd say probably about the last two to three years where people are, they're finally getting it. And I think it's all now really about employee retention. And and the younger group that's coming into the workforce right now doesn't work in the old school cubicle high cubicle way. Got a desk, go in the corner, and you know, and no, it's gonna work. Sitting, you got a job, and that's it. <laughs>
2: you're sitting on a big comfy ball, <laughs>
3: yeah, and working. You're sitting on a ball. You're swinging from uh, from a chair. You're running on a treadmill. It's like whatever works to keep <laughs> the employee happy. You know, it's everything. But it's a lot more now about collaborative space. And people have finally see that You can't just spend $99 on a chair for an employee and, you know, the person sitting in the chair 200 days a year. You know, you've got to spend a couple of bucks more.
2: So, that, I mean, the industry has definitely changed. In the 25 years you've been in and the 18 years that New Look has been around, there's no question the ind- industry has changed drastically.
3: It's changed huge. And a good contributor to it, obviously, is your following technology. And where you had those big monitors way back when where it was almost like a TV set sitting on your desk, you needed this big desk and sitting there. Now going to flat screens, now going to, you can work anywhere really because of Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. So the whole office part, and I go to people saying, you know what, and I'm reading more and more articles about this. If you really want to see the latest trends, go to a university that just got revamped. See the way 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds are working and how they're going about it. It's not just in a cloud. You can work anywhere these days. They're working at Starbucks. They're working at Tim Hortons. You can work anywhere you want. And you've got to create that.
2: Let's transport yourself back 18 years. You said you started working out of the house. Mm-hmm. How long were you there until until you got kicked out? I mean, until you chose to leave.
3: Until oh, I didn't <laughs> choose to leave. My wife made me leave. But the uh, we started off, I started off from 100 square feet in the bedroom, like any entrepreneur uh in the trenches, working, you know, around the clock. I was fortunate. My kids were small. I got to see them. Versus when I was at the dealership, I got home. My wife's like a sergeant. Your kids are down at seven. Whether you're here or not, they will be sleeping. So you choose what you want to do. You're not waking them up. And when I got home and I got to work from at home, that was a great time in my life. Because they were waiting for me. I got to see them play a little bit, have a bite to eat, and then go back and grind. And uh, I was doing everything. You wear all the hats. You, wear, you literally do.
2: Now, how many people are you today in your business?
3: Uh, I think we're about 10. 10 in-house.
2: So you, you eventually, you, you grew, I don't know if you grew rapidly, like over the 18 years, you added a little bit along the way, or was it slow growth at the beginning, then a, a rapid growth? Like, how did you, how did you manage it, that? It,
3: it was all baby steps. It was really, uh, I was trying to run a business without overhead. I go, anybody could run a business with overhead. And I said, no, I'm going to do this without overhead. Overhead, like, okay, I didn't have to pay rent. So uh, year one, I was in the bedroom. Year two, I expanded our house and I moved to the garage. And I hired half an employee, my cousin Toby, that came to work for me. And uh, she worked half time. And uh, then we got busier. And then I felt I needed to have a designer. I needed somebody to come. But I was running around like I was running around doing everything. I didn't even have time to train somebody. I didn't have... But I needed, I knew I needed somebody. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had this young girl join us straight from design school. And she came on board and she started to self-teach herself on how to advance. And now we're one and a half employees. Um, I wanted to bring on a full-time person. I had my own garage door on the side. And my wife looked at me and I said, uh, you know what, maybe I'll just... I'll just get you another house and I'll stay here. This is really comfortable. (laughs) And she said, that's not going to happen. You have to move away from home. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, but I don't want to. She says, there's a time where you have to go. And now's the time. I'm not sharing my kitchen, bathrooms with employees. You have to leave. So uh, I went from a garage to my buddy, Jackie, was opening up a business and I took his front office space, and he had the where, he had the factory part in the back. And we moved over, and I shared an office with him, two different companies. And we, again, I was then I think I was paying five hundred dollars a month rent.
1: We mentioned uh, working from home earlier in the program. Um, how did you find the process of uh, of convincing clients, getting new clients, and establishing your business from home? Was it was that was that a challenge?
3: Um. Well. I never met anybody at my house. I never brought a client to my house. I had to, I was doing a lot. I was selling quite a bit when I was at that dealership and I had some very good accounts. I had accounts account like Air Transit and I had accounts like uh, I had um, Richter Usher Weinberg as accounts and I had some very good accounts around and I had to keep supplying them. So there was no need. My business is consult, I uh, it's con, uh, we consult. I go there, I measure, I do my, get my information, Come back to a proposal, but
2: the furniture itself. I mean, the, you know, usually customers they want to go see it or take a look at no, it. I'd maybe show them it. my
3: kitchen and my living room. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'd bring a chair. No, I you went go to, to suppliers. I went showrooms. to I went to a supplier's showroom if need be. There were some showrooms around, and I was fortunate that the companies, because my sales volume was there, the manufacturers supported me. If I had to step back now and running a business with overhead, running a business with with, with operations and costs, I don't necessarily would support that, like, you know, I d I I kinda look the other way with a manufacturer supporting somebody with no overhead. How do you compete with that?
2: But part of the overhead is also your team, and I know you're a team of ten now and that grew and you, you were you were running around doing a lot of things, but when we come back the break, we'll talk a little bit about that team and an experience that you lived through a few years ago.
1: Great. Zvi Shapiro is with us from New Look Office Solutions. More with Zvi in a moment.
0: Professional advice with a personal touch? Consult F.L. Fuller Landau. Chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and F.L. Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And coming up in the program, we'll chat with Patrick Sullivan, F.L. trustee, about what an entrepreneur should do. When their business is on the brink of failure. But first, we're chatting with Zvi Shapiro from New Look Office Solutions. Zvi's been doing this for, uh, with New Look for 18 years and doing quite well. Um, so not related to our last topic there. Uh, but t- tell me, Zvi, wh- when you go in and you do consulting as well, you, you, you help people plan out their offices and then you supply it for them. Um, who does the convincing? Do, do you, do you sort of take the lead and, and tell people what their office should look like? Or does that, that, uh, drive, that creative drive, uh, come more from the client?
3: I would say the first part when we're first meeting with the client, it's really to assess what their needs are, needs in space, how many people they want to fill, what type of business they're doing, uh, a number of parameters that we take into account, and then uh, budget as well. A lot of times people come to you and they don't want to tell you what the budget is because they feel they're going to, you know, they're going to blow the budget, and it makes it very difficult for us and for my design team. To come up with a number because it's it's, it's just difficult. There's so many different options. You
2: have to educate the the customer at that point.
3: We have to educate the customer, and I'll do a pretty quick test on them. I'll do uh, what's it, what would you call it the. Uh, the the the, the, the 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 what? Sorry? <laughs> I don't know, a litmus test. A litmus, uh, we're we're gonna do test. a budget test on them. So I'm gonna look at them and I'm gonna count how many people and in my mind I'm gonna use a number of twenty five hundred dollars a person and you have uh, I don't know thirty people and it's gonna come up to about seventy-five thousand dollars and uh maybe a little bit extra here and there, conference rooms, cafeteria and this and that. I look at them and I go, so um, we're looking at about a hundred grand. What do you think? And either I'm gonna get a look like, you know. Hey, that's actually a pretty good number whoa you know okay 75 50 yeah that's more you, reasonable but
2: then so at least you're getting an answer exactly you're getting
3: to a point. okay 50 we got 50 now we can go back and start working on there and know what level of furniture to work with that's still going to meet performance with us it's got to perform it has to perform it has to last that's our reputation and you look I'm so, not interested in just a quick transaction and never see the customer again.
2: So we come back to, you know, it's not just you, it's your team around you. You come back to the designer that, you're, that you were talking about before. How much of your team is actually client, like focused on the client's space? Wow.
3: Uh, we all are.
2: Versus just, versus just buying furniture, versus just we, the office administration. We versus... all
3: are. We're, we're, we're not a transaction-based business. We're a consulting-based business, which ordered to your needs. It's not something used we keep in stock or experienced furniture we keep in stock. If there's a need, people want performance and they're looking to save money, we'll offer that product line or we'll do a mix, what I call fusion, where we'll offer both new seating, maybe used furniture, and we'll, you know, do a mix and match on that. That still looks good.
2: Now I would like you to share this story. I know we were we were talking off air and you know you're you're speaking really highly of your team, but you did go through somebody that was Working so hard for you was so dedicated, but that didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily best for the business in the end. Can you describe a little bit of that?
3: Yeah, that was a, that was a very interesting time that I went through about, uh, almost two years ago. And, uh, this person started with me right from the beginning, uh, extremely passionate, like just, just eats it all up, eats it all up It loved what, uh, loved what they were doing completely but also had a tendency to want to have control over everything and you got to watch this as owning a business you got to watch this cuz you fall possibly into a trap because when someone says hey i'll do it hey i'll do it hey i'll do it and you know you're having a meeting with other staff and they go no i want to do it no i want to do it and they're doing everything and I've the one the one person is basically correct. the control freak that's taking control everything control freak in. that, it, that it, they had to do it their way because they were a perfectionist but perfection is very expensive and takes a lot of time, and uh, and, and things also things don't always get done. They don't. Th- that was a problem. Quotes don't get out. Quotes don't go out as fast as they should get out. A lot of detail. A lot of detail. A lot of detail, and it starts taking a ramp on time, and it starts taking a toll on sales.
2: How did you resolve the issue?
3: Wow. Or did it resolve it, itself? It, it kind of resolved itself. I was very fortunate. It resolved itself. But at first step person was resigning after many years with me, convinced them to stay on. The staff kind of went, oh, what do you mean? Like they were all ready for the exodus. And then another month went by and it still didn't work. And the person chose to leave and and move on. And I accepted it at that point. But it was very, very hard for me because they were doing everything.
2: What was the reaction of the rest of the team?
3: Well, they came to me afterwards and they said, well, you, you were extremely lucky because we were all planning to leave one, two, three, four, one after another. If this was staying on that way, they were already going for interviews and they were already going to competitors and they were all looking elsewhere. And it was like, whoa, I would have been basically back in my house with one person in a big operation. At this point, we were in 15,000 square feet of space. Mm-hmm. So the businesses grew. We moved a couple of more times. In the last year and a half, and I've always described this, and entrepreneurs should really look at this point very important, is that you're running a relay. There's different processes that you have to go through when you're running around running a relay, and you can't have one person run 75% of the relay. And three people run the last twenty five percent. It doesn't work that way. Maybe your fastest runners at the end, typically, but it's got to be shared. The pie's got to be shared, and it has to be balanced.
2: And you never know who's holding you back at any given moment. No, exactly. there, there, there's so many more aspects I want to get to. We only have a few more minutes, so uh, your quick thoughts. Inventory management. You know, you started from from scratch in two thousand. Uh, you, you've now built up. We didn't really talk about the side of the business that's used furniture or re recondition or re experienced, experienced Experienced furniture, furniture. just like our experienced entrepreneur. Uh, and, uh, so we, we didn't really get to that, but inventory management, how did you learn that? What, what have you learned over the years for that?
3: I'm still learning it. I'm trying to buy better. I get offered, uh, opportunities every day to buy stuff. My staff goes, you know, when's enough enough and there's always another deal. And then I had to learn that a couple of years ago, I bought Target's head office, which was like brand new furniture, 17 trailers of furniture. I had red chairs coming out of my ears. Everybody thought I was insane. 650 red chairs. What are you going to do with them? So thank God sold every single one of them. And I'm learning. I was never a warehouse guy. And I've got guys in there and I'm organizing a warehouse now and trying to get into the inventory management so my staff knows what we actually have rather than coming to me. That's a challenge right now that I'm working with.
2: And if we switch to marketing, uh, again, over the years, you know, it's, it's New Look. It's, you know, you've, other than the name itself, that may have been confused over the years, but you're doing Office Solutions. Two
3: things that are confusing. One, the name New Look and New Look, new look, and new look Eyewear and getting people to pronounce my name properly. Did we do okay? (laughs) Yeah, you guys did great. You guys (laughs) did great, but that's two hardest things. Eyewear, no, and what's (laughs) Svi? So what
2: what worked for you from a marketing standpoint? I mean, you you know you 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 alluded earlier traditional uh, traditional media. You were on radio. You know, we were talking a little bit off air. What's worked for you, and what did you decide, decide? Hey, you know what? That's a waste of my time and money.
3: I kind of real. I was always strong with networking. I was involved with uh, BNI. I started a BNI chapter uh, back in around 2000. BNI Business Network International. And uh, we grew. We started off, we were, we were three people, and uh, we grew the chapter to about 75, 80 different businesses, which was remarkable. We were the largest chapter in the world for like four years. And I realized afterwards that it was word of mouth marketing. Really, for my business, is people understanding what I do, explaining it properly to somebody who has a need. And my business is really based on a need. It's not nobody woke up in the morning and wanted to buy office furniture.
1: <laughs> well, before we go quickly, what does the future of office furniture look like? And is this open trend going to be the, the way we're going to be building office now?
3: It's interesting. A lot of people are going to the open concept right now. Uh, people are having issues with some people say with the noise. They have now we have what's called foam boots that I just sold to a, to one of my clients. Uh, quiet spaces, meeting areas that people go to. It's interesting. It's it's a, the, the 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 more seasoned employees and executives are having a problem working in open space and losing their offices, and now the open space and the windows go to the employees. The offices and management come to the center, and they might get a window in their office. So now this whole thing of that big qu- corner office, there's nothing about my space; it's our space, and that's what's happening in the marketplace right now. It's about our space.
2: And the one thing Dan, I'll add is, is you know, there's a lot of a lot of arguments out there to say it doesn't help collaboration, it doesn't help productivity, but what it can help, and you know, the all the entrepreneurs that are looking at their dollars in their pockets is. The dollars that you spend per space per per employee right. per space that can drop as a result.
3: It does, and and the we works of the world. People go in and you go see a we work and see what's going on over there. You know, they go, no, I want my place to be like that. Yeah, they that's got what we've done ones. with our new showroom, and we've created that now in our new building.
1: Interesting. All right, Zvi Spiro of New Look Office. So you're going to stick around. We're going to have here one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in a few minutes. Uh, but next, we are chat with uh, Patrick Sullivan from FL. He's the trustee on uh, what should an entrepreneur consider when their business is on the brink of failure? Some interesting advice there if things aren't going so well. So that is next.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau. Chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and F.L. Montreal's Josh Miller with you. For today's entrepreneurs, V. Shapiro is here from New Look Office Solutions. We'll have his one piece of advice on the way for today's entrepreneur. But first, welcome back, Patrick Sullivan, trustee at F.L. Uh, how you doing, Patrick? Pretty good. Uh, good to see you guys. Likewise. And so, Josh, um, when the when a, any business is on a brink of failure, you know the entrepreneur can't just give up. They have to try to look out for their employees, look out for their assets. Where do we take it from there if you know the end is near?
2: Well, that's just it. Is is you kind of have to take stock on what you have, and is it really the end? And is it really the end that you know you can turn it off and that's it, or is it really the end you turn it off and you still might have things that are that you're liable for? Uh, and, and Patrick, you know, you you live and breathe this every day, so. And it's, and it's a bit of a loaded question because there's so much that you can go through, but let's kind of take it a little bit at a time. Company is really close. I mean, they've been losing money. Uh, there, you know, they, they really, there's just no future. Um, or maybe there's no future. What are the, what are some of the things that they need to watch out for just because they put a key in the door? doesn't mean that's the end.
4: Uh, definitely not. I mean, when you put the key in the door, that's the, the very simple way of saying I'm closing down the shop. Uh, the first thing that an entrepreneur has to look at before he does put the key in the door, number one is where do I have potential liabilities, personal liabilities? People often don't realize that when they were signing up to get this new supplier that they, somewhere in the hidden print, they endorse uh, that supplier. Obviously, lease leases often will require to be endorsed. So- Number 1 is to really look at where do I have potential liabilities corporate credit cards corporate credit a lot cards of people don't realize are the same story again people corporate credit cards don't exist anymore there's a holder of a card and it's the mailing address is the corporation in the good old days yeah you know the banks were losing so much money because mostly american express back in the 80s where they had these corporate cards and the guys were racking up bills like unbelievable and then failure came and then the credit card issuer Amex would lose all that money as an unsecured creditor today it's very different uh the stockholders are responsible with the credit card so obviously if you have a credit card it's a cor- it's written the corporation on it but you're still liable personally uh you know banks obviously will ask for personal guarantees to a certain degree so it's it's a whole question of really looking at what are my potential liabilities. Often before a failure arises, unfortunately, entrepreneurs will uh, sort of fund themselves with the government. Uh, GST, QST, arrears come very quickly. Uh, so they will use that up. But little do they know that if there's no money in the corporation for them, for the governments to get paid, they do and they will go after Directors and shareholders for to get their due. And d- so deductions at source, or do they don't pay deductions. Das, at source? it's the same story. Uh, I mean, now, I mean, the governments are seeking alternatives if they can't get it out of the corporation or the, the bankruptcy of the corporation. They go after directors, and they, I mean, and if often the paperwork isn't up to date, so it gets even worse because they'll give random assessments. So the numbers will be skyrocketing.
1: What if, uh, you know, when when you're going down that road, is there anything the government will do to, to give you uh, a little bit more time perhaps to repay those debts or are they going to be just as severe as if you were still
4: in operation? Uh, they will, I mean, there's always room for discussions, but eventually, the, you know, the capital portion normally has to get paid. They will negotiate sometimes on the interest factor and the penalty factor. But they will require some kind of a guarantee that they will at some point get, get paid.
2: And and from, from my experience as well, it's, you know, if you're still in business and you want to try and save your business, you can make a deal with them. But, you know, make your deal and and keep your payments going. But then you have to stay current. You can't
4: fall behind again because that's that's another no-no. That's a no-no. And normally when you do make a deal with them for the corporation, they will require your personal signature. So they really have you. Hooked on solid at that point, they don't even need to go through the motions of going after directors. They they ask you to personally sign. Now let's
2: let's look at it a little differently in our in our last little moment. There's a you know company that's about
4: to go, but maybe there are things they can do to help turn themselves around. I think the number one thing you have to look at: do we still have a business? Number two: do we still have a, a lender that you know we can work with? because sometimes there's other means through either the bankruptcy act or CCWA where you'll make a proposal to your creditors is there a potential partner that will invest so there's a whole number of ways to you know to keep going provided number 1 that you still have a business if there's no business or no potential business anything's going to fail no
2: no question about it Thanks very much, Patrick. Uh, I know it's uh, not a fun topic, but uh, it is reality. And, uh, Svi, you might have benefited a little from bankruptcies and picking up some, some of that inventory that you that we Definitely. were talking about. Definitely. Inventory we've management. had that a couple
3: of times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure. And as we approach the last uh, moment of our show, as we do each week, we'll uh, turn to our guest, Svi Shapiro, of uh, New Look Office Solutions, and ask you, Svi, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
3: Based on what I just heard from Patrick, I'd say talk to a trustee before you start a business, before you sign any documents. (laughs) Wow, I learned a lot just in a couple of – I'm shaking my head over here. Um, uh, What would I say? A couple of things. One would be make sure you have enough money put away when you're starting up a business. I'd say most businesses probably fail early, not because it's a bad business, because they didn't expect that they needed that much money. You need, you need a nine-month supply to a year's supply of funds when you're starting up. And uh, don't give up. Keep going at it. Just keep grinding and grinding. And there's always something good that comes out of hard work. If it doesn't happen this time, try, try again. I have.
2: Excellent. Thanks very much, Spi. Dan, my takeaway and, you know, kind of shivers thrown through my spine when you talk about that, that employee story. You're an entrepreneur. Take a hold of your business. If something's not working, watch it. Monitor it. Ask questions. Don't let, you know, it's great to empower your people, but don't let them run 100% of everything.
1: Correct. Yes. All right. Sri awesome. Shapiro, New Look Office Solutions. That's NU Look Office Solutions. Thanks so much for stopping by tonight.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thanks, well, to Patrick O'Sullivan from FL on, on that very important question. Uh, and don't forget uh, all the episodes plus today's at FLMontreal.com at the community section. Next week on the show, Josh, a special uh, edition. We're going to be speaking to B Lab Canada. A B-Lab. bit of a social responsibility theme to next week's show absolutely let's uh, let's talk about b corpse and uh, b lab all right that's next Monday at seven on today's entrepreneur. Good night.